Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. of August 2013, and it is episode 122 of The Skeptic Choir. I'm your host, Gary Lawn, and with me this week are Donna Swafford. Yeah, I just got a little tickle. And Greg Perrine. Three little mates from school are we. Okay, the Mikado. Yes. Uh, how was everyone's week so far? Okay. Excellent. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's sexual harassment. You didn't even let me answer. I know how you feel about me, Gary. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to avoid that time bomb by talking about a talk to that I went to on Friday. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that you you looked, Donna, like you had nothing to say. Like you were going to go, ah, it's fine. Eh, Meh. I was like, okay, whatever. Moving on. Pretty much. (laughs) Mine too. Yeah. Talk on Friday. Uh, yes, uh, I went to a talk by Faisal Saeed Al-Muttar, who was born in Iraq, but uh, also lived in Syria for a short time and has recently, in as the, the last couple of years, moved to the United States to Texas. And um, he went through kind of some of the experiences he went through growing up in Iraq and really kind of emphasized the idea of that a lot of the problems that are going on in the Middle East aren't because George W. Bush came in in 2002 and invaded Iraq and Afghanistan and all stuff. No. It's all because of the Sunni versus Shia. It's a lack of the power. Uh, sorry, mm. it, it's, it is the creation of the power vacuum right. that is yeah. partially caused by the removal of that very the, large and yeah. the, the dictatorial. Iron hand, dictor- yeah. yeah, the iron hand that was holding down these sectarian conflicts is suddenly gone, so mm-hmm. these sectarian conflicts can just go... Yeah, they the can come thing, back. Right. Yes. Well, we also saw the same thing in Yugoslavia. We've yeah. seen the same thing in countless countries. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay, hatred of the <laughs> of the other. And and this is like a 22-year-old kid who's been... who grew up with, like, dead bodies on the streets and all that to deal with, to be so together and have a very good command of English, apparently self-taught. Um, pretty pretty interesting talk. Uh, you know, it, some of it was kind of the rah rah. You should be an atheist. Religion is bad. Yeah, we've all heard it. Speech, but um, yeah, it was some. A lot of it was on his personal experiences. And this is put on by the uh, Freethinkers Association of Central Texas yes, Coalition of Reason and all that jazz. So that was an interesting talk. Sweet. Well, thank you. He might be coming to your area because um, he's... He's kind of on tour. Yeah, he's on tour and he started an organization, what is it, uh, the Global Secular Humanist Movement. Mm-hmm. Isn't he also going to be, I think I saw, speaking at the American Atheist Conference? Maybe. I don't know. I, I believe that. that's correct. Or it, Along with American Chris Atheists, uh, <laughs> American Atheist Alliance, People's Front of Judea, it's one of those groups. <laughs> yeah, he is. All right, so he's speaking at the American Atheist Convention in... in Salt Lake City. Which is when? Probably next March-ish. Uh, next Easter 2014. Yeah, whenever that Easter is. Easter 2014. Okay. All right, well, cool. Glad Very you cool. had a 
had a good talk? Yeah. Or went to a good talk? It was interesting. What's also interesting is whose birthday it is today. Really? Yes. So they have a birthday? birthday? Oh, my God. Yes. This person was born in 1928, but is still alive. Yay. Wow. Color me impressed. Yes. Um, I, I, am, I am hesitant to give you clues because it's a pretty well-known person. Oh, uh, James Randi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I think that was queen. the shortest birthday guessing segment ever. <laughs> He's pretty famous. Oh, James Randi. Uh, I happened to see the the birthday stuff going around. Yeah, I was I, I was pretty sure you guys would have seen something, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so not much is known about James Randi. <laughs> he, he he keeps pretty low key. <laughs> Except for that whole James Randi Educational Foundation thing. Oh yeah. And debunking Uri Geller, Peter Popoff. Amazing meeting. Uh, the, um, what is it, Project Alpha, where he mm-hmm. infiltrated a psychological research place. I can't wait for that place. book to come out. The, uh, uh, was it Magicians in the Magician Laboratory? In the, in the, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. also a, um, a movie, biographical movie coming out on him uh, uh, s- relatively soon. Yeah. Honest Liar. Yeah, Honest Liar. And, um, yeah, and recently got married to his partner, uh, uh I'm going to say Davy Penna. Who we have talked about on the previous show. But I forgot his name, name last time, but I wrote it down. So Yay. I got it right. Y- you think. Well, I, I, <laughs> it's D-E-Y-V-I, so I, pr- I assume that's Davy. Just Davey, spelled weird. Davy Penna. King of Randy's Frontier. I don't know. Anyway. So, James Randi. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who James Randi is, I'm really actually quite shocked. Especially because most, most of our listeners have come through me handing out buttons at places like TAM, which is thrown by the James Randi Educational <laughs> yeah, Foundation. Maybe they don't there. They just showed up. A couple weeks ago, I spent 20 Wait. minutes, 30 minutes of the podcast going on about James Randi and the TAM and all that. So, <laughs> pretty interesting fella and... Uh, Though he's getting on in years, he's pretty spry and seems to be doing well. So, Donna, <laughs> what, what do you know about meat? Meat is yummy. That's why we have eyes that face tasty, forward. Tasty, tasty meat. Yes. And incisors. Yeah, but more importantly, that whole eyes facing forward thing. Makes us predators. Oh, uh, I, I thought that was just so that teachers could just yell at us properly. No. <laughs> eyes forward! It's hard to do if you're a hammerhead shark. Well, our eyes are on the front of our face because if they were on the side, we'd be too easily confused with iguanas. So that I don't think we would be confused with iguanas. I think so. By mm. whom? The aliens? Um, beavers. Kangaroos. Who would then, of course, be meat eaters and would attack us. Sure. Yeah. There yes. we go. See? Obviously, my logic what? is airtight. Why don't we actually get to the story rather than hear me well, ramble? Well, apparently, it looks like we don't actually have to kill cows for our burgers anymore. Well, in 20, 30 years. I bet it's going to be sooner than that. Well, Why first, not, Donna? Well, first off, you need about $300,000. Hmm. Okay, so so what's the deal? Did they finally grow lab uh, a lab in a petri dish? No. Did they finally grow meat in a petri dish? Basically. How'd they do it? Stem cells. 
Maybe Gary should introduce this topic. Everything goes back to stem cells. We all know this. Uh, so yes, the one of the co-founders of Google put a crap load of money into uh, a very expensive burger. Is that the official denomination of $300,000 plus? Is that crap load? Yes. Yes. And what they did is they basically extracted cells from muscle tissue, grew it in the Petri dish, and then, a, my understanding, a pretty famous chef actually fried it up and they ate it. Mm. Said it was quite delicious, needed a little seasoning, was a little crunchy, but all in all, a good meal. And the interesting thing is this is really the only thing that they grew in the Petri dish was essentially muscle cells. Mm-hmm. So they didn't do muscle cells and connective tissue and fat and all that other stuff. It was just the muscle cells. Sure. I mean, well, yeah, you wouldn't really necessarily be able to grow the fat. You'd have to inject that. Well, you could grow. You could try to, through stem cell manipulation, change cells into fat-type cells and try mm. to... You yeah. could possibly add in those other things for the... Trying to match the texture, trying to match the sure, flavor. Sure, but this is the first you know, time that... This I was waiting it. for somebody to just say it tasted like chicken. <laughs> really, honestly, I was going through the article going, okay, somebody's going to say it. Somebody's going to say it. That kind of suck, though. No. But they seem to say, yeah, tastes pretty close to meat. I mean, it's it, they could tell it wasn't exactly a blinded test, but yeah, they, huh. the, the cook, what was his name, R- uh, Richard McGowan, McGowan, whatever, um, he said you know, he was able to cook it pretty much like a normal burger, so it didn't really take a lot of Yeah, well, it's just, it's just, it's, it's meat. Yeah. No. Uh, last year, they announced that they had grown uh, muscle fibers in the lab. Oh, okay. And I, I can't remember if it was earlier this year or late last year, because that was in February, BBC released that they had like 22 cells that kind of looked like calamari. <laughs> <laughs> and it, in fact, the headline, so that was Dutch scientists... Uh, announced in the BBC, Dutch scientists have used stem cells to create strips of muscle tissue with the aim of producing the first lab-grown hamburger later this year. Well, the the researcher Mark Post, he's also Netherlands-based. Okay, so it's, yeah. it's that guy. So that was 19th of February 2012. And then there was a story later on where they had a bit of it, didn't eat it, but it was it was just a glob of meat and it was a paste. Okay. And that's because it was muscle tissue, but grown from stem cells, such as everything that we've just discussed. But because of muscles kind of need to work out for them to get into the consistency that we love so much in our burgers, or at least in our steaks, um, they're basically <laughs> saying that it, it wouldn't work. So I was wondering about this particular one. I couldn't find on whether or not they had done anything other than just grow it. Well, they, they met, mentioned that it was in, like, a broth of chemicals that mm. included kind of, like, calf blood or something like that. It or... included um, fetal calf serum to feed the muscle cells plus um, cattle stem cells. Okay. But they throughout all these articles, they kept referring to this as uh, muscle strands. Mm-hmm. So they must have maybe did something in that bath or in that process to try to form it into strands rather than just a blob. So maybe there's one other technique added here that just these articles that we see didn't really get into that much detail because of the sensationalism of, you know, lab burger. Mm -hmm. But the benefit of this is, is that a single sample that was used 
can produce approximately 20,000 tons of beef. That's a lot of cows. <laughs> right. So That's a lot of not cows. While they're talking <laughs> about... Cow. That's a lot of lack, lack of uh, cow farts. Yeah. yeah. But they're talking about this. It takes 20,000 strands to create one burger. But if we can create 20,000 tons of meat, we're talking about being able to feed a population easily. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a world where we are running into deficits of food, where we're running into deficits of land, where we're running into deficits of water. And we're This, get, becoming more morally and ethically conscious towards our uh, animal brethren. Towards our, our four-footed, sister. cute friends. Because mm-hmm. they're always the cute ones that everybody complains about. Never complain about the ugly ones. <laughs> Hornets? Why kill them? Yep. That's the one thing that I'm a little worried about in this story in that apparently I agree with one of the heads of PETA in saying that this is a good idea because of the environmental concerns and the moral concerns. Yeah, if if this becomes commercially viable in, let's say, 10 to 30 years, somewhere in that stretch, and I'm still alive, yeah, I'll do it. I'll try it. I don't see a big problem with agreeing with a moral and ethical position that you agree with. That, I well, mean, you can, PETA has a lot of practices that I think are well, pretty Well, no, bad. absolutely. That's, but they, but it's, it's perfectly all right to agree with someone that across the board you disagree, but then when they say killing's bad, you can say <laughs> yes, that's true. I agree with the Pope that killing is bad. Yeah. Okay, I get your point. Okay. So not, not a problem. It's not like you're going to be going out there and... And making lovey-dovey with them. Um, you might. I assume a lot of the people in PETA are vegetarians and, vegan, and vegans. One so assumes I'm curious. Yeah. There, there's some articles trying to... It doesn't stand to... for people eating tasty animals. Come on. <laughs> Actually, it does. It should, but it doesn't. <laughs> Because they didn't get on the web fast enough. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot faster than you think. Uh, I'm, ten, I'm guessing ten, seven... Yeah, ten, ten years seems a bit, because they were talking about this last year, and they right. finally got to this point in a year and a half. To be commercially available. That's the thing. Uh, in, okay, yeah. in the, the, the uh, scaling Well, they've already of, got the, uh, the so-called they've uh, got, pink, they've, well, pink slime. Well, I'm just going off what the researcher himself <laughs> said, ah. that he says it could take 10 to 20 years to be commercially viable. And you always have that, oh, it'll be available in five years thing, and yeah, every five years they say, oh, it'll be another five years. So he's really putting it out there of 10 to 20, yeah. which means well, he has to, the, you know. it's really the, the commercial side of things that's going to take a while. I think more than the commercial side of things, I think once they viably prove that this can be scaled yeah. quickly, yeah. and having done this in a year and a half... First of all, we don't know exactly how much work had to go in to them to do this. Now, they um, were, approximately three hundred thousand dollars. Well, yeah, we're, uh, but we're not talking. Do- I'm not. I'm talking money. I'm talking no. uh, they, time and actual elbow grease. Yeah, they had and you know fetal calf serum. Oh, yeah, right. Whatever yeah. the heck that means. Yeah. because can you take that? What we currently have and divert whatever that is and start putting it towards faux beef while then taking away from and then, then we've got farms right we've got or cattle that are just what we're we gonna do with all that i mean because we'll eat the surplus and bring them down to a manageable population perhaps the be... problem with that also is is that calves cows 
are not designed now to live on their own. They really are not. Yeah. Uh, okay, this will probably get me in a lot of trouble with our vegan listeners, but I'm going to go for it anyways. <laughs> Cow's natural habitat is slapped on styrofoam and wrapped in plastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I'll, laughs> I had to think I, about that. I, for me, I, the first thing I thought was like the old McDonald's clam shells. Yeah. <laughs> like, Along the same lines. Well, okay. I'm thinking of the old... I, having grown up... And spent time on a dairy farm. I'm sorry. They're nasty, ugly. Even the organic, non-corporate farmer, it's still ugly and nasty. There's a whole, like, uh, Dirty Jobs with Micro um, episode all about that he's has to help this cow give birth. And because they cannot give birth on their own because we have bred them so much for their meat and their shape mm. that they're not able to either push or size or something out and he has to like get in and help and yeah that's a whole thing um i hope you guys aren't listening to this while you're eating dinner but well whatever um spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that whole process of all the people involved in having to raise these all the land all the grain involved means that we can bring cows back to a smaller population we can turn all that grain into feeding people in addition to this lab-grown meat. And now we've got a very good substitute for shipping off to the stars. Yes, yeah. very good. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. Should be awesome. I mean, you... you Not you, that I'll go, but... Yeah, well, you, you think of, well, okay, you just pack one of these meat producers on a spaceship going to Mars, and they can produce their 20,000 tons of meat. Or if you have a generational ship that's trying to go to one of the other solar systems that Kepler has dis- has found a planet around, then you just put one of these boxes on those machines and send off your generational ship, and they have burgers the whole way. Yeah, that's that's true. And spaghetti. Too and bad spaghetti. Kepler isn't finding any more uh, yeah, planets. Yeah, not, not, not at the moment. Uh, as we have spoken in the past, and if you're following any science news... Uh, from NASA, uh, Kepler has four gyroscopes. Thank you. Four st- uh, gyro gyroscopic stabilizers. One of them failed, uh, which left them three, which is all it needed because it had. And uh, now it has to repeat yeah. third grade. And then shortly after the the drop dead date, when they when the mission was supposed to end anyway. The second gyroscope went out, and so they've been working to try and get that uh, up and running. And it looks like it's not going to work because they're they're saying that there's there's on the first one that failed there's lots of friction, so they're not going to run it because that could start a fire. Bad, yeah. Well, maybe not a fire, but something bad spinning out bad. of control. Yeah. Well, it's it just... could it could grind gears and put crap places, so it could short something out. Let's say that. Uh, and the other one, uh, they're a little bit iffy about it. They're still working on it. But what they've done is they started asking, and they've put it out to the public, uh, hopefully to engineers and people in the know, on what might the Kepler be used for. Because it has enough coolant and uh, enough uh, it's solar-powered that it can keep running for, for quite a while, but it just won't be able to track 
Yeah, because it's just going to sit there, right? I, I assume it had thrusters on it that stabilized it, and it was the gyroscopes that told the thrusters how much to do. So I guess it can still move, but it can't exactly stay spot-on stable well, on one target for too right, long. Right, that, that's the point. It, it, it can't track. Yeah. So as, as it's orbiting around the sun, it can't maintain its roll, pitch, and yaw on a specific far-off object. It can't object. stare at the star Sirius for three days. Right. Exactly. So, so, so we're going to have really great pictures of streaking stars across the sky. I was going to say, Pretty it's going to turn into a 16-year-old girl and take selfies. <laughs> Here if I am. Could, right. <laughs> Look at that. Jupiter in the background. But can the Kepler do that pouty duck face thing? Probably not. But I, I, I thought that might be a good idea. Just leave the damn thing on and just start sending back pictures to, to see, see how things work. Now, it, See it, if it catches anything. I mean, X-Men, you know, the, the Star Jammers from the X-Men, they flew right past the the Voyager and the and the, the, the cameras were off. Voyager doesn't have cameras. But... Okay, sure. That was a long time ago. That was an old... That, that was, was old X-Men. That, that, that's, that's the Brood from the Brood episode. I, I know yeah. the movies, so I don't really know the comics Good God. Well. Oh, my... Anyway, so... For, hold for on, those, hold <laughs> on, hold on. Armagerd! <laughs> that had to be said. <laughs> anyway, I was I was thinking an interesting use might be if they can if they are pioneer. looking at it in generally one direction and they can't keep it stable. Maybe the stars would move less than say a comet or an asteroid going across its field of vision. So maybe they might be able to see. Sure. Differences yeah. in speed and, and objects to say, yeah. well, that moved from quadrant over here in the top right to quadrant over here in the bottom left, whereas the, all these stars stayed pretty much where they were, so this must be a closer object that's moving faster. Yeah, it, it could possibly be, but and I think it's a matter of how fast can it take a picture? Because that's one of the problems is, does it have to keep its aperture open so, so long that everything's uh, blurred? Right. So, so or, anyway, if, yeah. if you've got any ideas, uh, good ones, and uh, go go to the NASA Kepler site and, um, and... And and voice your opinion. Yeah. And if my idea of asteroid hunting has already been used or ha- hasn't already been used and you submit it, that's fine. Just give us Skeptic Wire some credit when you win your Nobel Prize. <laughs> or name an asteroid. Yeah, name it. A- Skeptic wire one zero zero one zero zero. And, and hope, hopefully, whatever <laughs> asteroid you find will not hit the Earth. Right. Which leads us into the this earlier this year the what was it called the, the Chelyabinsk uh, meteor that blew up in the sky and it was really cool and caused a whole bunch of damage. And my favorite story from that was. Neil deGrasse Tyson on John Stewart when he's talking about why people got injured because they saw the light they ran to the window and then the explosion hit and shattered them with glass so the d- the difference in the speed of light speed of sound yes. is what really got them exactly one of the best examples I've heard of that is supposedly Penn Jillette went to see one of the space shuttles take off and he said that apparently the distance from the launch pad to the observatory is just enough so when the pl- the spatial starts taking off and you see the bright flash of light, that you have just enough time to say, huh, you'd think that'd make a lot more noise. 
Exactly. And and so this meteor was the one back in February 2013 that was yeah. very famous for... I think we talked about February it February 15th of 2013. It, was, it yeah. was caught on all these dashboard cameras because of yep. Russians' bad Driving. insurance stuff and all that. But... So there's more on this is asteroid. Is it coming back together and then going to hit us again? Uh, well, no. The the, the the meteor now because it entered the atmosphere. Oh, I always get that wrong. It is that that particular one is gone. It's actually, in fact, called a super bolide. Gesundheit. Uh, because because of the magnitude of how bright it was. Which, funny enough, I didn't know this, but while researching this, I found out that. Magnitudes, the, the higher the magnitude, the fainter the star, and then the lower in the negatives, the brighter. Huh. So this was a neg-17 uh, magnitude, uh, which makes it a super bolide, but if it's neg-14 or higher, uh, that would be just a bolide, and then it goes down from there. So, anyway, I thought that was cool. I learned a lot from, from reading the, the article. But what, what they did is this... Group from Madrid, Spain, uh, C de la Fuente Marcos. It was two brothers, right? C and R de la Fuente Marcos. Carlos and Raul. There you go. De la Fuente And what they did is they took the projections from a whole bunch of different scientists. Because it came through so fast, they couldn't get a good mark on where right. it came from. In addition to it coming at basically dawn. From the, the sun. So... There was glare and everything else, yeah. so they couldn't actually get a really good trajectory. Right. They didn't see the thing coming. Well, we didn't see yeah. it coming, and then when it hit the atmosphere, everything goes wonky anyway. So they took something, of my life. something like 10 uh, projections of where it might have come from. Well, they ran several, like 20,000 possible, and then took the 10 no. best. No, they started with... The ten f- as ideas of where it might come from, and then ran the simulations to see which one of those might possibly. They decided to tackle the problem with brute for- computational force, running s- simulations of billions of possible orbits to find the ones most likely to have led to a collision. Then they used the average of the ten best orbits to search the catalog. Okay, yes, that's what the article says. However. They had they had to start somewhere, so they took uh, some some pre-impact orbits determined by people who know what they're doing. Uh, people named Adamo, Borevica, Chodos, and Chesley, and they used those uh, because you have to know uh, about what its orbit was, what, what they think the orbit is, what its eccentricity is, where it's coming from. So yes, they ran all these simulations, but they needed a starting point. And so they used some of these uh, other scientists who proposed that they they might have come from here to kind of get an idea of where they were going to run their simulation. Because you can run 20 million simulations, (laughs) but if you don't have an idea... You're you're basically just not doing anything. So they started off with these basic facts they could find from these other scientists and use that as a template to say, let's run all these computations based on that. And these 500 computations say that the meteor came from, like, above the solar system. And that can't be wrong, so we'll discount those. And they narrowed that down, eventually back down to 10 or so again. 
Right, and then what they did is they found out they did a really cool thing called the uh, called the Monte Carlo simulation. And the the best way to describe this is if you take a square and then inside that square you draw a circle. Okay? And and you're trying to figure out what pi is. Okay? What the mm, amount of pi. pi. <laughs> so you do a, a uniform distribution of points in there. And and then you you using basic math you find out that the ratio of the circle area to the square area is pi over 4. And so anything that's inside the circle is part of the ratio and everything outside the circle, the number of points outside the circle, uh, inside the square portions, is part of the ratio. You multiply by 4 and you get pi, to actually, depending on how many points you have, to a pretty close degree. Huh. It's kind of cool. Look it up on Wikipedia. That's where I got it from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's basically See, what... and here I was thinking you were just all sorts of smarts. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just about other stuff. Yeah. So, so, what they, so what they did is they, they used the starting points of these people who said, well, it could have come from here. And then they matched using the Monte Carlo simulations of known or semi-known orbits of other asteroids that are out there. And they also made the uh, assumption... That this particular meteor came f- was caused by a breakup of a known asteroid. So it, it's this breakup created what they're calling an asteroid family. So th- is it going to happen again? Oh, was think the big of the question. children. Well, one so, of them blew up. Right. <laughs> Honey, don't blow up the child. Exactly. Yeah, you send it off to Earth. Yeah, you see, that's what would have happened to Superman. So. <laughs> I want to note that apparently this this breakup though happened like forty thousand years ago. Well, yeah, within the last forty thousand. Yeah, they're, they're years saying ago. twenty so, to forty thousand years is probably when it happened. So what they did is they found out that there is an, a near Earth asteroid, one uh, that's called an Apollo asteroid, which means it actually crosses the orbit of the Earth. So there's quite a po- there's a possibility that it might might hit, hit us Earth. again. And their calculations agreed with the asteroid called 2000, 2011 E040. I think it might be E040. Yeah, it could be E040. Yeah, I think you're right. It is so E040. What you're 2011 E040. There, there were multiple a- a possible asteroids that it yes. found from like 10 meters to 200 meters, but this is like the big one that they wanted to talk about, say, this could cross us. Well, so, not only that, but the, but their calculations do a very good job of matching the known orbit of that. Yeah. So what you're saying is we need Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis to get <laughs> together a, so a drilling team. No, no. We just need to, <laughs> to ship them off to space. And then <laughs> okay, we'll no. figure out a solution. That's to right. Yeah, we'll give them like little hand drills or something. We'll <laughs> give them the, 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 the lab-made meat. There we go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there were a couple of known asteroids that fall into this Apollo category that that might have been. But 2011, and if you if reading the paper, it matches up pretty well. Um, now a lot of this is based on models and assumptions. It's, it's all models and assumptions. And you know, like <laughs> this that that big meter, the 2011 EO40. Yeah. They don't have a full 
fully confident map of its orbit yet. No, they only have 20 observations of it. Right. And, so, and, so they have a partial arc, so they really don't know. Yeah, uh, the, the asteroid that actually hit us and became a meteor, they, you know, they could only make their best guess. They don't have a specific fine... Right. Tuned. But, so there's a lot of assumptions, but there's a lot of really cool math that says this is probably related to this other me- asteroid that m- is still on the same orbit. Exactly. And so what it's also done is said, oh, oh look, there's pro- there's a very good probability that there's more of these on the way or more of these that are out there. And since we now know that this particular one, based on the... 20 calculations they have. Um, I think that 2011 EO40 is going to be coming by in 2035 is the next time it, it comes by. Um, and it's not supposed to hit. Right. But, right. but we'll because, have a better idea of its orbit after that. But because it's this big asteroid, there may be now smaller ones that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're saying that that was probably the precursor to this um, encounter. But... The other side of it is, is that until we can scientifically test 2011 EO40, we will not know definitively if it was part of this poor broken up family. You're talking yeah, about the exactly. composition of it yes. chemically? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because the other thing... That's what we'll send off Affleck and, and uh, Bruce Willis for. Just to take about a sample, send the sample back, and then we'll just leave them out there. And the composition of the asteroid makes a big difference because the are ar- the Arkovsky effect, and what it is, is the sun heats up one side of an object, and then that causes a, a push uh, on that object. And they've they've used that to try and figure out the uh, there there's a problem with the Pioneer spacecraft and the Voyager spacecrafts, and it's actually because of slight heating from the sun. Mm-hmm. And so, if this asteroid is denser or less dense that can change its orbit on whether or not it will intersect our orbit. And there's a idea that if we know about a large asteroid far enough in advance that is going to impact the Earth, we can go send a probe out there and paint part of it black, <laughs> and it will actually, over a long time, move itself out of its orbit and be safe. And we can kind of combine that with the gravity tug of whatever we send out there. Yeah, exactly. Just having parking it off to one side so that it has that small gravitational effect plus paint one side to basically... It's it's like comets have these very obvious tails that are coming off because of the sun's effect. Right. For an asteroid, it's just not very visible. Right. And it's a lot less of a uh, pushing effect. Yeah. And there, there's a couple of other interesting side... Things about this article that I didn't know. Um, 1998 is the earliest record of someone saying, oh, you know what? Asteroids might actually be impacting on the Earth. <laughs> 2007 is the first time that someone actually proved that an asteroid be turned into a meteor and, and hit the Earth. So all of this is... V- the, the math isn't new, but the idea is fairly new. We had the meteorite crater, right? And so, so we knew that things impacted. But even until Shoemaker-Levy, uh, a lot of scientists were, would, were saying that, no, 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 things don't hit planets as often as you think they do. It turns out it happens a lot more. And so so this basically really... it stopped with the dinosaurs is what some people were saying? That well, yeah. The big one that 
killed yeah. all the dinosaurs. Yeah, they, things don't hit us anymore. The, the, yeah, exactly. The idea was like it doesn't happen very often, and what we're learning is it happens a lot more often than we care to think. Right. So this was, is all really new stuff. There was a story of something hitting the moon just in this last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it was the Shoemaker Levy uh, comet that broke up on Jupiter. That yeah. when that's when everyone said, "Oh shit." <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I just find it really hard to believe that scientists would believe that nothing could hit these planets. Uh, I don't think it, that it they... Be- the uh, hold on. It was just yeah. the frequency. Right. Oh, okay. I don't okay. think that they... I don't think they believed that things couldn't hit. Right. It's that things hadn't hit. Yeah. So it was the idea that, oh, well, the solar system has cleaned it out itself out enough so far just the vastness. that there's less to hit Pretty much. in the big space that is yeah space. and we're such a smiley so a smiley we're such a we're just a smiley target we're just a, we are <laughs> such a, a compared to the size of the solar system we're we're a tiny target so it shouldn't happen very often maybe it's a lot of scientists being disenchanted with the whole empire strikes asteroid belt scenes <laughs> where all these rocks are flying around and they're all really close together to each other, where, where mostly asteroid right belts yeah. are really spread out. That's why every time we send something to Mars, it doesn't get bank around like a billiard ball before yeah. it hits Mars first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, if, if you think if you think about where we are in science, when my dad was in getting his master's in geophysics, uh, his professor would not teach uh, plate tectonics. Wow. And this is what fifty late late fifties, uh, early sixties, and so we're, we're talking science. Really, is a lot of our ideas are quite new, right? And it's you know, <laughs> evolution has been the idea has been around for hundreds of years, but we're only in the last twenty years showing that that things can can actually like proving right that stuff well so, i mentioned the old dinosaur thing that yeah. has changed in my lifetime it was just a crazy idea when yeah. i was around in the 70s and 80s when i was a kid now it is pretty much established accepted fact that it was at least a significant factor in the extinction of the dinosaurs exactly. if not well, the sole reason we're changing ideas about our our pre I don't want to say preconceived, the conceived notions that we had 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. 50 years ago, the whole idea of the boat theory bringing people to North America was inconceivable. And now you've got Dillahay... No. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> now we've got Dillahay who's proven that we've our, our notion of how humans traveled into North America and South America, he's completely blown it away with finding evidence of humans in the very south, the very tip of South America, thirty thousand years ago, long before the Clovis, long before all of these these known points in in history, where for a while there the idea of the land bridge on the Bering Strait was the only accepted idea. Right, that was the only accepted idea. And part of it is is these. I hate to say this, these older white gentlemen who have run anthropology and science and with their, this is how it is, they're dying off. And now these newer ideas are basically being allowed to filter in slowly, but being allowed. And the same thing probably happened back in Darwin's time about evolution. It was the old stodgy guys who was like, no, this is the way it is. And 
They that's, die a, that's a great thing about science. And uh, it's science self corrects. Enough people yeah. die, and it'll be yeah. <laughs> corrected. So I don't want to make anybody cross, but it wasn't ali- ancient aliens. As far right. as we know. Well, was, I just wanted to go back for a second about the, the Kepler story that you were mm. talking about earlier. Right. I forgot one other thing that someone could do with it is turn the Kepler satellite back towards the United towards the Earth. <laughs> the United States. Shh, shut wow. Up. <laughs> <laughs> you could turn the satellite back towards the Earth to try to find uh, religious artifacts. But that's, that's at least the suggestions you're going to get from creationists. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they did find... Parts of Jesus Cross in Turkey. Really? Yes. I, I hope it didn't say "Made in China" on the back of it. I don't think that it did, but you know, Turkey's not too far away. Actually, it's <laughs> not. Neither is the Middle East from China. If you want to be, you know, kind of yeah. all technique. Being at the did, did the pieces <laughs> of the cross go? It was found in Turkey. Not in a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> That is one unfortunate turkey to have pieces of the cross stuck in. <laughs> yeah, but these stories come out with an amazing regularity. You know, pieces of the cross found in Turkey, found in Palestine, found in Jerusalem. You know, all yeah. pieces was, of was, the ark. Yeah, was it? Yeah, was it? Was it discovered by some guy in a in a hat? <laughs> hey, a, hey, a, hey! We do not insult Indiana Jones. Okay. There seems ark to be not versus ark every the year. There's some story of some. Bible thumping group that goes up or, out or Mar- B list actress. Yeah, some they <laughs> go up stars, right? some like no, I think it was, she was a B list actress. Arafat or something to try to find the the ark, and lo and behold, they find pieces of wood. It must be from the ark, and it is proven. Yeah, and that's pretty much this this tale of Turkish archaeologists. Okay, we were technically both right because it was a former Baywatch actress. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> soft porn then. Yes. Thank you, Google. Okay. Turkish archaeologists uh, say that they found a stone chest in a very old church that's like 1,350 years old, and it the chest contains relics. The chest of the Baywatch actress? No. No, okay. no, 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 no. Now, these uh, are actually archaeologists, real archaeologists. Okay. Uh, well, no. according to this NBC News article. And they're saying that it, there's, there's uh, a chest... That contains relics, and they're saying uh, pretty definitively that it's a piece of Jesus' cross. Because as the excavation team leader, Golgan Karuglu, says, or I don't know how you pronounce her her name, uh, quote, We have found a holy thing in a chest. It is a piece of a cross. End quote. According to the Hurriyet Daily News. Now, how do you know that a piece of wood was part of a cross? Let alone the fact that there, for th- you know, hundreds of years, especially in the Middle Ages, every single church said that they had a piece of the cross or a bone from Jesus' finger or, or something. Or Jesus' foreskin! There's like, there's like 1,400 Jesus and Jesse skins running around well, there. So every church said they had a piece of it, and also you were, you could buy bones of saints for, you know, a dime a dozen right. everywhere. No. So there's that. How do you know it's part of the real thing, and how do you know a hunk of wood was ever part of any cross, even right. if it was just at, you know, First Baptist Church of San Antonio? Well, yeah. like, let me... Which I think do, there's two places that actually have relics. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Point something out here. It was a stone chest found in a church that was built over an ancient Roman bath along with a thousand or so skeletons in there. 
gee, you think maybe they would have found some wood amongst all of that. No, no, not in Turkey. There's no wood in Turkey. It's all stone. So it was found as part of a kind of a burial site that was located at a Roman bathhouse? Yeah, it says... Does that support the idea that <laughs> Jesus was gay? No. He, he didn't get he buried did in hang out with He did hang out with... Twelve guys. Thirteen yeah. guys. Yeah. Well, fourteen if you count Rufus the... Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Nice. And, and his best friend, but... They've made this huge leap, and it, it really casts a pall over their entire work, they, to me. To me, it's more of a case of they went looking for something, they found, they came in with, they came in with their answer. They, yeah. they went in and said, okay, we're expecting to find Jesus' cross in here. Right. Oh, look, we found a piece of wood, it's got to be Jesus' cross. Right, and it, like there, there's always documentaries about some guy in Egypt going around. He finds a a crypt or something where it says, you know, son of oh gosh. son of Nazareth or no, um, what's son of David, son, son of, of David jo- or uh, what's, Joseph. Joseph, Joseph, thank you, son of Joseph, brother of Joshua or something like that. Yeah. Oh, this was Jesus's brother, David, Joshua, Joseph. They were all common names. It's even if this was a cross, a piece of wood from a cross that is 2,000 years old, there were a hell of a lot of people crucified because a lot of people didn't like the Romans, so the Romans crucified a bunch of people. This wouldn't... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, um, there are two places, as I said, in Texas. One, I think, is in, is in Houston, the Shrine of the True Cross, and the other is the Co-Cathedral of the Sacred Heart, also in Texas. So... Uh, Dickinson, Texas, actually. So, Joy. <laughs> it's just, like I said, they they started out with an answer. They found something that maybe, maybe not was the answer. And we're like, oh, look. Look at what we found. Okay. <laughs> that is not how archaeology works. No. no. But that does lead us to, because, you know, Jesus did miracles. And yes. I, I think he cast out demons he, into pigs, which ran over a cliff, which really pissed off the pig farmer. Which is a form of exorcism, yes. Yes. So you found something about that, did you not? Yes. Um, the last few weeks, I have been kind of trying to hold on to the feeling of Tam by doing Web of Trust suggestions based on things I learned at Tam. Hmm. And one of the presentations was by Dr. Karen Stalsnow about exorcism. She uh, has a podcast. I'm sure she does. She also has a couple books out there. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. I think she blogs over for at JREF. Scientific, doesn't she blog for Scientific American? Um, she has done some yes. blogs in the past for JREF Swift and all that. But also, um, recently I saw an article from her that was on the Scientific American blog. Yes. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yes. We'll avoid the, the elephant in the room. <laughs> the the shitstorm elephant in the room? Yes. Yes. The beginning of her talk, she talked about the the history of exorcism, what a lot of them have in in common, but she also went into some specific examples of modern-day exorcists. Uh, Let me just interject real quick. Yeah, she she does uh, Skeptic Society's Monster Talk podcast. So her talk on exorcists, and one of the examples she gave, is where we are going to get this week's website or web shite recommendation. Um, 
Bob Larson is, according to his own website, the world's foremost expert on cults, the occult, and supernatural phenomena. Unlike Gary Larson, who's a cartoonist. <laughs> why that tickled me so no it is not gary okay that's good that would be very disappointing yes okay bob Um, larson bob larson his his church is the spiritual freedom church thank goodness for that and he has the registered trademark dwjd do what jesus did not sure why he couldn't work with what would Jesus do, but uh, somebody else is marketing well, that. Yeah, and, and copyright. And his is more of a declarative statement as opposed to where those is a question. Yeah, good point. He's start- no one knows. Bob Larson started out a while ago doing kind of crusading against rock and roll and stuff like that. He had because for- we all know rock and roll is evil. He was a part of the whole Satanism scare from the 1980s of. You oh, know, it was him. Well, Fucker. he was one of the voices that added to that. Okay. It, it didn't help that he had a radio program for a while. I can't remember the name of it, but Google him and Wikipedia and go look it up. But we're going to recommend actually kind of a threefer on this week because he has his main website. <laughs> you usually website. have to pay extra for Very good, Donna. Uh, his main website is boblarson.org. It's .org, so you know you can trust it. Where he has a schedule of his events, uh, all his books, and um, especially why it kind of dovetails well with that um, whole cross in the turkey thing. Um, he will, he, If you donate $100 to him, he will send you free of charge, except for the $100 donation, a cross of deliverance, which is a cross of deliverance. <laughs> wow. Apparently, I'm not going to be able to say the phrase "cross of deliverance" without cross you. of deliverance. You guys repeating it after me. <laughs> In his exorcisms, which if you go to YouTube and look up Bob Larson exorcist, you will see <laughs> Bob Larson exorcist. <laughs> Sorry. So, it's okay. such a ridiculous fucking idea. This deserves snark, because if you watch the videos, he will spend a lot of time, he'll start, he'll get someone up on stage, and he'll try to pull out the worst moment in your entire life. He'll ask the audience if anybody has, like, think of the worst moment in your life, and he'll find the person who has, who's, like, already crying because they're thinking of it. Bringing them up on stage, he surrounds them with a couple thug-looking guys that are supposed to make sure that... You know, you, well, you, got, you, have, you, to, you, you have to keep. Get out. Yeah, you have to keep the demons. Tainted. Apparently, everybody is super, super demon infested. Tainted. Demon yes. tainted. And he'll, he'll do this whole performance of. He's leading the subject with a lot of ideas of. He'll start naming the dise- the demons like, "Oh, you're Jezebel, aren't you?" Or you know, if he knows that someone has been uh, has has sexual thoughts, he'll he'll name it. Uh, Jezebel, or if someone's fighting with their parents, you're infested by the demon hate, aren't you? Aren't you? And he'll go on to all this kind of leading questions of, do you have the legal right to this body? He's really... <laughs> It is, it, it is a, a feature of almost every exorcism he does. And I think it may have some kind of New Testament relevance. Well, you know, demon infestation is illegal in 13 states and <laughs> West Virginia. So. Does not apply in all states. Um and he'll he'll feed them ideas of you know how many generations have you infected the this soul and 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 all this kind of stuff and 
he'll wow. you can tell that the person is knowing that they're supposed to act like a demon because they'll always go with really deep voices. They'll always go yelling. They'll also do a lot of the exorcist kind of the movie laughing at him. And it's it's very kind of you can tell that they have this expectation of how someone is supposed to act when they are possessed. Hmm. So he will proceed to ask these legalistic questions. He will get right in and their face. Not call them legalistic. Yeah, well, the all. whole do you have a legal right to the body, which I, I'm sure there's some specific scripture that they pull this off of. Uh, he he'll smack them in the head with his Bible, and he'll poke them in the chest or wherever with his. Pokey cross. <laughs> a cross of deliverance! Yes. He has his own cross dun, dun, of deliverance. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Which he takes is, a special kind of poke. If, if you... <laughs> and going back to the demons, it's like a pig in a poke. <laughs> yes, that, that is where you get the, the reproduction of his cross of deliverance if mm. you give him $100. Um, but also on his website, you can buy his books... You can, Apparently, you can Skype with him too. Yes, to, you can have, to get rid of the demons. You can have Skype demon exorcisms sessions, which I'm sure it's a certain um, donation. Well, what really pisses me off, speaking about donations, is he has do you he has a website called demontest.com. Yes, that is you, the second of the three for of websites that you can go to. Right. right, and the problem with this particular one is if you really wanted to help people. He'd offer it for free? Yeah. Uh, this particular test um, costs money. Yep. If, if The interesting thing is you have to go through a couple pages first to find out how much it causes you on how much it costs you on PayPal. It's ten bucks, so at a at the cost of your immortal soul, that's a bargain. Yeah. But fortunately there's a YouTube video that uh, some guy's making fun of it, and I can <laughs> read the first eight. <laughs> so uh, the answers that you can have for these first eight questions are never, in my past, and currently. So for $10, it's a pretty, pretty shitty... Oh, wait, I can do 10. Um, it's a pretty uh, poor... Yeah, I don't know how many questions are involved in 21. this demon quiz. And you know what? I want to say something. This should not just be a three-for. This is like a five-for. Because if you go down to the bottom of his page, he says, visit our other websites sfcphoenix.org, therealexorcist.com, the Center for Spiritual Freedom.com, demontest.com, and teenageexorcist.com. <laughs> so, Teenage it, Exorcist like, sounds like a graphic novel. Well, yeah. okay, the Teenage <laughs> Exorcist, I'm sure, well, we actually posted about them this week, in not in relation to Bob Larson. There are these three teenage girls. One of them is actually 20, but one of them is the daughter of Bob Larson, and the other two are sisters who are friend of her daughter, and they have gone on Anderson Cooper and probably Maury Povich and all these kind of shows. Money, 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 money. Exactly. Basically selling the sex appeal of these young girls in this basically demon quest, whatever. Now, I, I actually... I demon think, quest! Um... <laughs> The threefer I was thinking of is BobLarson.org, the main site, which actually still has a green rating. DemonTest.com does have a negative rating, yep. so we can add to that. But there's a third site, 
internationalschoolofexorcism.org, yeah. where you can either sign up for the apprentice level of school of classes, which is a thousand dollars, the warrior <laughs> level of classes, which if it, if it, you include the apprentice level, it's eighteen hundred dollars, or the exorcist level of two thousand five hundred. The which, exorcist level. Yeah, where basically you get, you take all these classes, you get a couple books of you lessons, uh, some DVDs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I would think that they would have problems with hats when you think of wizarding hats and the sorting hat and all that, and might be evil. Yeah, but the priest in the exorcist had a hat. You know, Good and point. he he also <laughs> has classes in how to become an exorcist. Yep, that's what that's the International School of Exorcism dot It's also at therealexorcist.com yes. slash become. Uh, the uh, one of the things I mentioned in is obviously Karen Stelznow has done some research on him in the past. Uh, she wrote up an uh, an article on the JRF website about having gone to one of his seminars that teaches you how to be an exorcist. And it's a lot of prayers and love bomby stuff, but also a hell of a lot of, you know what, this may be a free seminar, but you're not going to get anything out of this if you don't buy my book. Of course. So a whole lot of that stuff. So that is a long-winded say, way of saying that go to boblarson.org, rate them on the Web of Trust plugin tool, go to demontest.com, Rate them on the Web of Trust plugin tool and internationalschoolofexorcism.org and all the other ones you can find related to Bob Larson. You know what? I also got one complaint. He seriously needs to get a better photographer because they have him in the same pose for <laughs> every fucking photo. He's got the cross of deliverance. It's, it's his money shot. You yeah. know, the Bible, various like suit jackets, the. It's, dude, work it a little bit. Change it up, you know? Maybe it's, a Hawaiian shirt or something. You seen, know, just, just be a little different. I've actually seen some pictures of him where it looks like he's dressed up in something like a priest's collar outfit. And he is not a Catholic by any stretch of the imagination. Because you know those people are evil. But he plays one on the internet. <laughs> but I, I think he's trying to play on that idea of the Exorcist movie. Which yeah. Part of Karen Stelzno's talk was ta uh, mentioned how when that movie came out, it fed into a lot of people's ideas of how exorcisms and how demon possessions are supposed to look. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that idea that um, the story of the chupacabra only really solidified in this alien humanoid looking thing after the movie Species came out. Exactly. So a lot of people are influenced by these these. Well, this speaking about stuff. influence, <clears throat> one thing, I, I am going to read a couple of the questions from the, because uh, they are leading and actually they could be considered emotionally uh, manipulative. Because <gasps> question number 15 Tell is, have you experienced emotional or physical abuse from your biological parents? Uh, have you been emotionally or physically abandoned by either biological parent? Uh have you failed repeatedly in significant relationships? Well, that's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some people. A, a, a lot of it, a lot of those kind of questions are leading towards kind of astrology assumptions that kind of a lot of these things could apply to almost anybody in some degree. If you well, think that well, you argued with your parents and that means you've been emotionally abused. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's it, why it's like in the past, currently, uh, never are are the three questions. So based on those. You can put, you know, in the past, right? Which means 
presumably, I'm not going to take the fucking test, but <laughs> that as long as you put never, you'll be fine. Right? But there are two other options that might imply yes. Oh, yeah. So you're more likely to fill in those. It's leading. When you are of the mindset that thinks you could be possessed by a demon, you have all these bad things in your life that you're going to think about of yourself as your fault and must be something wrong with you, so you need demon exorcism. Exactly. He pl- he plays on the vulnerable and the weak, and yeah. that is m- the main thrust of well, why I think that his sites deserve a negative rating. Plus, he's using his daughter and brainwashing her into this life. It, it's Well, here's the thing, though. It's not just him. It's fucking Sylvia Brown. It's yeah, John yeah, Edward. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. they're all doing it. Yes, they he prey on the grief, weakest. Grief vampire, yeah. But um, you you may not have to necessarily write read his ability to get you a cross of deliverance because I'll bet you can get that. I'll bet <laughs> if you actually pay for something, he'll send it to you. But it's just the <laughs> idea behind of him sending something to you that is. <laughs> <laughs> kind of icky, kind yeah. of something you want to wash down. Exactly. And, I don't know, hand sanitizer before and after touching it? Yeah, exactly. Or but, if he used it to poke people for his exercises. Uh, I'm telling you. They're just reproductions, but... Yeah. But, you know, one would think that if that cross of deliverance ever did cross come in... Cross of deliverance! Exactly. Came in contact with an actual demon, my guess is... There might be a round of lightning. Lightning round! Lightning round! All right, the lightning round, the where lightning round. we are given 90 seconds. That's the, mm-hmm. we, being uh, Donna and I, are given 90 seconds to answer fill-in-the-blank questions based on headlines, of which Greg has compiled from the last week. Yes. So, it's, are you ready to go, Donna? We'll go with yep, you first. Because sure. I won last week. <laughs> Master. <laughs> wow. All right, the timer will begin, I assume, when you when I finish your first question, but usually it's just whenever Gary decides to press go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All set? I'm ready. Tracing the IP address of server attacks to a specific zip code, the owners of the pornographic website mormonboys.com said the likely culprits are... <laughs> Atheist, I don't know. The LDS church itself. Oops. <laughs> uh, this week marked the one-year anniversary of the landing of... The Mars Space Rover. All right, I dinged you on the last one, so yes, you got that right. Curiosity. Uh, Discovery Channel started off its shark week with a two-hour fake documentary that pretended the extinct blank was alive today. Oh, the big giant shark, and I can't think of its name, but it's the big giant shark! Megalodon. <laughs> Megalodon, Megalodon, yes. Megalodon. A study published in the Cochrane Library found that women who take blank are no more likely to conceive. Uh, antioxidants. Turkish archaeologists say that they found a stone chest in a 13, 15-year-old... Piece of the cross! Yes, pieces of... um, uh, The company that manufactures vitamins marked as Healthy Life Chemistry by Purity First B50 are refusing to recall their products despite lab tests showing they're tainted with... L1 or something... More general. Steroids. Steroids? Steroids. Thank you. A new, metal an- a new meta-analysis study in the journal Science shows that shifts in climate change have historically been associated with... Anger! Violent <laughs> conflicts. 
Chinese Researchers char- studying the brain recordings of epilepsy, epilepsy patients were able to identify grid cells, which are responsible for... Uh, mental mapping. Uh, Navigation. Spatial navigation. According to measurements from the NASA NASA observatories, as part of its 11-year cycle, the sun's blank will flip in the next few months. Polarity? I'll give that to you. Magnetic field. Middle finger. (laughs) How'd I do? You got eight correct and one wrong. You you, you, had nine questions. That's pretty good. Yeah. You should have answered... uh, uh, Discovery started out their Shark Week with Ermagerd. Ermagerd, <laughs> <laughs> it's a shark. It's a Shark Week. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, Shark Week. I mm. mean, usually that's actually science and actually interesting, but they kind of they they dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they jumped Just the shark. shark. <laughs> you're not the first person to make that joke, but yes, you're right. First person in my brain. <laughs> And that's you all have that more people in you, your brain? Gary. There's like 50 or 60 of them. <laughs> He's demon-possessed. <laughs> Duh. You and I got to put together you know, some money to send him off to Bob Larson I wouldn't to say get possessed, exercised. <laughs> I mean, they're paying like, rent. More, He's demon-repossessed. I was going to say more like they're living there rent-free. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm demon-squatted. <laughs> that you pay more for. All right, you ready for your question? 3 99 a minute. <laughs> You How do you I'd know the actual price? Um, you ready for your questions, Gary? Uh, yes. All righty. Your um, <laughs> the timer thing. I'll start when I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Researchers from the University of Colorado found that just a few days camps camping without artificial lights can uh, reset your body clock. A genetic study published in the Journal of Science, uh, Y chromosomes and mitochondrial DNA, they found that the common ancestor of all men and all women probably never met. It was not an arranged marriage. And lived around the same time but didn't know each other, yes. Uh, August 2013 marked the first blank in Minnesota and Rhode Island. What? In August of 2013... Gay marriage. Okay. Um... A UFO spotted over Shanghai, China, has turned out to be a remote-controlled aircraft craft used to deliver... Uh, a pizza or, or food. Cakes. 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 Awesome. That's right, that's right. Pastries. Uh, mm. The Daily Mail Not reported that in order to treat a young girl for a life-threatening cancer, surgeons amputated her arm, and then what happened? Reattached it. Just recently. Well, yeah, radiated they, it. Yeah, they drove it three miles, radiated it, and drove it back and put it back on. I'm not sure if that's real, but whatever. Uh, a teacher at St. Lucie's Priory Catholic School in Southern California lost his job after pictures of blank were published in the local his newspaper. His marriage. Yep. Uh, in a new co- collaboration between NASA and Mattel, the toy company will soon release... NASA Barbie! Mars Explorer Barbie. Close enough. Czech Republic officials ruled that the nation's religious liberty laws must allow resident Lucas Novi to wear blank in his driver's license. Spaghetti thing, uh, pasta strainer. Yep. Uh, Weird photos coming out of Greg's hometown are leading some to think that the cryptid blank has come to Ridgewood, New Jersey. That's correct. Wow. You both had nine questions. Wow. Gary had nine correct and zero wrong. Oh, he shouldn't have helped me. <laughs> you helped her on some of her questions, yeah, so, yeah. so I, I think it evens, evens out in the end. 
I think that Though, was some of our best scores ever. In yeah. my heart, you were both queens of this podcast. It's really Gary. Not a queen. No. <laughs> Hardly even the princess. <laughs> but if you get uh, Mars Explorer Barbie, maybe you are. Uh, yes. Yeah. Hey, that's fucking sexist. <laughs> that he could be a princess? No, this whole, oh, you have to be a princess to have Mars Explorer Barbie because she's all pink and blah, 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 blah. At least she's not wearing a mini skirt spacesuit anymore. It's actually coming closer to an actual spacesuit, even though it is very, like, slim around the waist. Yeah, but, you know, the uh, the NASA Mars Explorer Barbie is going to erase the <laughs> curiosity <laughs> of a lot of people. See, because it's... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. You know what, Gary? Why don't you just tell us what we learned this week? What did we learn this week? We learned that James Randi's kind of a little old. We learned that muscle grown in the Petri dish still tastes like burger. We learned that we're doomed! We're doomed! We're doomed! And that uh, the Kepler satellite cannot take pictures of crosses. Uh, we learned that there's some insane people out there. Oh, wait. We also learned that $10 will f- uh, get, get you to find out whether or not you're possessed by demons. And uh, I think that's about it. And we learned that Gary won the lightning round. Oh, yes. And we, we also learned that both of us, when we're on our game, can answer nine questions in... 30 seconds. And, th- and 90, 90 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's 10 seconds a question. You know what? You know what I think the, the, the part that's holding us back? How uh, long my questions are? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> UK Health Store, go! <laughs> Boxes of tea. Boxes of tea. That's where they, they thought they were having a... Um, a ghostly encounter because they have surveillance photos oh. of video of boxes of tea floating out and then dropping yeah, behind I people. Yeah, I didn't know it was tea. Yeah. Well, I made a teabagging joke when I posted it on the website. Ah. Some people think it's a viral marketing campaign attempt, but, yeah, who knows? That would make more sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a big health food chain that's trying to be all kind of modern and hippie, which is very ghosty. And I'm rambling, so... Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, thank you, Donna and Greg, for for being on the podcast this week once again. I will not be here next week. <gasps> really? Yeah. Be working. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, I won't be here this week. Okay. If, if things go excellently, you won't be here this week. Next week. Then, but you said this week. Did I? Yes. Yeah. And that would make this episode really, really weird if you weren't. Yeah, actually I'm here editing this my week. editing myself out of this week's <laughs> podcast. Except for this last time. two minutes. Yeah, except for the last two minutes, just to make things except weird. Except what I'm saying now. And, and now. now. And Wait, when do we get now? Right. Well, thank you for the vague book post of... <laughs> I'm doing dialogue replacement for a movie. I mean, I'm, re- I'm recording it. I'm not actually doing it myself. Sometimes I wish we could Cause... do dialogue replacement on this podcast. Yes. That would actually probably work better (laughs) yeah we're gonna write these transcripts up and put them on the web and you can record your own (laughs) that'd be a whole lot of fuck you gary fuck you greg you guys are stupid says donna no i thought our thumbs were stupid thumbs are stupid all right we'll talk with you next week except for me maybe probably not
Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for hosting, Gary. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Laura's lovely face turned hateful. She struggled violently. It's almost like porn. <laughs> How did you know I was here? A deep male voice thundered forth. She belongs to me. I do witchcraft to keep her under my control. What kind of crap is it? Wait, is the demon's monologue? <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. It's it's the the what got cut out of the devil in Miss Jones. I guess. <laughs> I pressed my cross of deliverance on Laura and commanded Python to leave. And After then my some... cross of deliverance spurted all over her. <laughs> After some jostling about and defiance from the demon, it explosively came out of Laura. She was the happiest woman in Detroit. I am not making those lines up. That is exactly what Bob Larson.org says. Yep. Miracles like this are commonplace to our ministry. Miracles. <laughs> Yep, on a spaceship going to Mars, and they can produce their 20,000 tons of meat. Or a generational ship... What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Having problems, Gary? No, the only time it ever pops up is Wednesdays when we're recording. (laughs) It was on all night last night. (laughs) Sorry. Fucking HP. Oh, I think it's... I'm sorry. That's okay. HP doesn't want to hear what you have to say. Yes, obviously. Because <laughs> we all know rock and roll is evil. Yeah, he was big into the whole satism, like, is bad thing, and it's happening everywhere. I think he was part of the 80s satism... Satism. Satism. That's when everyone was like in the Marquis de Sade. They, they were all satyrs. <laughs> they were dancing that's a, with goat That's a, for a whole different podcast, he was a part of the whole...